<laughs> Welcome to Manfully Alive Podcast. It is April 22nd in the year of our Lord, 2018. Welcome. 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 I hope you guys had as good a week as we did. My name is Mike with a mic, and sitting next to me is... This is Deacon Nick. And we have so much to share with you. It's important to note that each time you tune into this podcast, Man Fully Alive, this concept comes from St. Irenaeus. In the words he says, the glory of God is man fully alive. Fully alive, fully free, fully capable of glorifying the Lord, of acting without slavery to sin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's... I've been thinking about it, man. Yeah. I love the phrase so much. And it, it, it cuts it cuts through a lot of the the isms, right? The mm-hmm. selfishness, the what's in it for me, what's the least I can do, will it feel good? It right. just cuts through all that. When you're fully alive, when you are united with God's will for you, which is the only relative matter that relativism should have focused on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you are united with the Lord's will for you, then you, sir, are fully alive. And I can say that in my life, there's only been about five times in my whole life that I can say that I was fully alive. And one happened just recently. Yeah? Yeah. What is it? I held my second son this short time ago. Oh, what a blessing. Yeah, it wasn't this past week, but it was a little bit ago. I just got to meet, at the end of March, my son, Thomas. It was, uh, he's a, he's a Holy Week baby, isn't he? Oh man. He is, uh, he was a Holy Week baby for sure. Holy Week. Holy Week. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was, um, he, he, he came before I would have left for work on Monday morning. Oh, And, uh, instead of going to work, we went to the hospital and we had that baby. And in that moment where I knew what my role was, right, to be there to support my spouse as she was going through labor, right, my entire purpose, my focus on all of this was to really just be there and to be there for her and to know that she has in every other part of her changing experience, right, am I going to get the epidural? Am I going to do all these other different things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has a constant. Yeah, just she needed a rock at that moment, and I was able to be there and just be that steady, unchanging thing in her experience of bringing our our third child and our second son into the world. That's awesome. That uh, That's like ministry of presence. You were there for her. You were there to not only support her, but to meet her in that very difficult place but also blessed place where she was at. You know, that's a perfect segue for us uh, in terms of bringing in and reflecting on our challenge from last week. Uh, last week, you challenged everybody to to attempt to meet people where they're at, you know, to accept them for who they are, where they're at, and, and to have joy about it. And I'm certain, you know, it was, it was not too difficult for you to have joy in the moment of your son coming into the world. <laughs> What's All that happen? joy comes from a bunch of pushing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, push through that stuff so we can see this kid at the end of the rainbow, you know? 
you know, it, I was thinking on this challenge this week, uh, not in such a profound, blissful, joyful kind of a way, but I was thinking, gosh, you know, I need to meet people where they are, especially when they frustrate me, especially when life is difficult or, or the situation is tense or, or anxiety causing, you know, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately I have to sort of confess I'm, I'm not a very good driver. I mean, I, I drive well, the mechanics of it, but I'm not very patient, especially mm-hmm. with other drivers on the road. And, and this came to mind to me today uh, when I was driving, and I found it so hard to be patient. And because I wasn't patient, I, I was realized I, I'm not meeting them where they're at. <laughs> where they're at is, is, well, honestly, they're probably uh, obeying the speed limits better than I am, or they're, or they're just not in, in as much of a hurry. They're not as anxious as I am about going, going, going. So hopefully you were able to to think about that challenge this week, uh, attempt to meet people where they were, um, especially those who test our patience or were tempted not to necessarily meet them exactly where they are, where we expect more of them than they possibly might be expecting of themselves and to, to graciously grant them more time or or more mercy in terms of what our expectations are of them. That, that's a perfect segue, I think, for us to uh, to jump right on in. And so why don't we kick this off with a prayer for this week, and then we will uh, we will dive into our reading. Yeah, we'll look at our gospel. Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for just the, the blessings of this past week, the struggles, and frankly, the people that we met where they were and and the people that we fell on our faces on during the interaction just the people that we did not meet and we were not present for because in those moments it's where we can realize where you were and where we weren't receptive to what you were calling us to give us uh, a profound strength today as we uh and, and a receptive spirit to the to the gospel that we're going to be reading and help the words of this gospel not to fall on deaf ears and that we are we are ready to receive your word and and take up these challenges uh, that you offer us through your readings and through the writings that bring us to know you better uh, we ask all this through christ our lord amen amen, amen. father and son and holy spirit so our our reading this week is is from the Gospel of John, and do you wanna do you wanna go ahead and take that away? Sure, we can. Uh, we'll read it. I'm excited. This is uh, the the reading of the Good Shepherd, and uh, you and I are both <clears throat> members of the Good Shepherd, which is or the parish called Good Shepherd, which is really exciting. So this is sort mm-hmm. of our parish feast day. Yeah. Uh, so we'll start a reading from the Gospel of John. Jesus said. I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man, who is not a shepherd, and whose sheep are not his own, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf catches and scatters them. This is because he works for pay and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know mine and mine know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I will lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. 
This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have power to lay it down and power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful reading, you know, and and Christ in his wit you know, in his wisdom speaks to us in terms that we can understand. Yeah, a, a wonderful parable to help us understand exactly who Christ is. Yeah, um, and you kind of get that image, right? I mean, just that that kind of picture of, of the guy who has the, uh, is it you? It's uh, E-W-E, right? The baby, che- baby sheep over his, oh, uh, right. over his shoulders, shoulders yeah. and he's walking back to the flock, you know, because the flock instinctively knows to stay together until one gets distracted, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's a distraction that you you know pulls you away from the flock. Right. And almost all of those distractions are based off personal desires, right? If a sheep's going to get off course, it's primarily because they see food, they see water, they see something that's going to feel good, taste good, it's in it for them and it's not going to take a lot of effort to get it. Right. Right. They're they're not much different than us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sheep and uh humans, yeah. Hmm. Right. Hmm. Hmm. I'm sure there's some some mind candy there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Jesus knew what he was doing, relating us to to uh, yeah, sheep. Yeah, and how quickly we are scattered. You know, just with with the news going on right now, it's it's very easy for us to be scattered. But right, some of the kind of chestnuts, I think the the little pearls of wisdom that I think lie in this is. Uh, a hired man who is not a shepherd and whose sheep are not his own sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. You know? Yeah, you know, when we're led by those other than Christ, we are we are led because of their own interests, because of their own designs and desires. Um, <clears throat> only Christ really has this purity of, of uh, desire for us. His intention for us is pure. And so I think that's precisely why we call him, precisely why he called himself the good shepherd. He's good because he cares for us. If I could, if I could get on my box there for a moment, I, I think this is a message that the world really needs, um, to know that God isn't just God of the universe. Jesus isn't just our Savior and Redeemer. He is the God who came and redeemed us because he cares for us, because he loves us. Um, and I know some people get turned off by the whole, oh, well, God loves you. They think of it as, you know, butterflies or, you know, rainbows or whatever. But, but at the deepest longing of our hearts, we long to know God and be known by God and, and to know and to have trust that he loves us dearly. And I think him expressing himself as the good shepherd, help us to recognize that he does love us dearly. He will sacrifice for us. I mean, if if at Easter, the sign of the cross didn't convince us of that, thinking of ourselves as the stupid sheep that wander off, and yet he's willing to come after us each and every time and carry us back to the fold yeah. and to lead us as the good shepherd should inspire in us a level of trust and care in God because of his level of love and care for us. We can have no 
relationship without a core fundamental of trust. And when a sheep looks at a shepherd, there's only trust that you are the source of my food, my safety. When, when something is wrong, uh, you know, when it gets too hot, you're going to take my wool because it's, it's making me too hot. An analogy of someone who cares greatly for you and cares for your well-being. The way a shepherd looks at his sheep as this is, this is not just some dumb animal, you know, this is, this is the thing that feeds my family, right? I need this wool. I may need some of these sheep, you know, to feed my family, right? Sure. So I have to care for them. And I have to, honestly, my, my life is much better if these things are, 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 are fat and happy. <laughs> right. And, uh, well, and the amazing thing about the good shepherd, I mean, Christ himself has no need of us. I mean, maybe we are just dumb animals to him. But, my God, he's, we're dumb animals that he loves and he yeah. cares about. And is willing to come after us whenever, whenever we're lost. Um, and I love, and I love this line. It says, "I I know mine, and mine know me." It reminds me of, the, of this video I saw one time. I, I don't remember the name of it, but it was on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it was it was a real life shepherd, right? And you see all these different flocks out on this field. And I don't know, there must have been other shepherds somewhere else. But this guy like did this special whistle, his own whistle, his own kind. And about 15 of these sheep come running. And you can see them way up on the hill. Mm -hmm. and, they're, and as they're running, they're coming down this hill. They're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're coming closer and closer. And I thought, wow. And he goes, oh, yeah, one, two, three, four. Da, da. He count them off. Oh, those are mine. Very good. Here we go. They really did. I mean, a shepherd really does know his sheep. And his sheep really do know him. Yeah. In the real world. Yeah. How much more is that true of a Christian and our Savior? Yeah. How much, how much should we be attentive to the sound of his voice? How often do we actually stop from the busyness of life to listen, you know, to, to, yeah. to just to, to put the pause button on and say, okay, God, where are you calling me? Where are you drawing me? And I, I even love that it says here in the reading, not just that I know mine and mine know me, but he says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. Mm-hmm. And that's talking about the vast majority of the people that I go to church with, the non-Jews, right? Right, us Gentiles. Us Gentiles, right? <laughs> Gentiles sound off. Uh, <laughs> One thousand million. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, is, it is just so cool to know that he is even, this is the place where all of us non-Jewish sheep are, are, are referenced. He's asking. He, no, he's not asking. He's saying, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's important to note. There is not going to be a whole bunch of churches and a church on every corner that are all leading you towards Christ, right? This right. is, we're, we're called to be a singular flock pursuing God, you know, all following the same whistle to use your analogy, right? Yeah. Yeah. All listening to the same whistle and, and running at, at, at a singular pace of as fast as we can go to God who loves us. Mike, you're absolutely right. You know, Christ founded one church and that one church needs to be attentive to his voice. And, and I think that's, particularly difficult for men sometimes because we do tend to 
compartmentalize our lives, you know. I go to church over here on Sundays, and I listen to God's voice there, but, but you know, when I'm at work Monday through Friday, that's work, you know. what? what does does Jesus' voice really have anything to say to me in that place in my life? And, yeah. And the answer is yes, but how do we hear it? Yeah, and, and not only that, I'm not just a worker, I'm also a father. And when I'm a father, am I, am I still a Christian, and am I still a worker? Yeah, it, 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 but in yeah. our vocation as father, as worker, as Christian, I mean, we're yeah. called to so much more. It's so, it's so much more profound than that. It's deeper. Uh, it, and it's whole. It's whole. Yes. And it's very life-giving. I mean, it is in the country that we live in right now, one in three children. One in three will not grow up with a biological parent in the home. One in three. So think of you and two friends, right. right, of the kids that are growing up right now, below the age of 13. One in three of them is growing up without one of their biological parents in the home. Difficult statistic, yeah. And it's, it's hard to swallow because, you know, if you think about it, we're all called to be sons and daughters of Christ, but how can you even understand what that means if you were never allowed to be a son or a daughter of a of a mother and a father, right? Right. Like how how does that how does that phrase, you know, oh, you're called to be a son or a daughter. Well, I've never been allowed to be a son or a daughter. Mm-hmm. My dad wasn't there, right? And now I don't I don't understand what relationship with the father. Frankly, I'd be mad at the father if I met him, because I don't understand what a father's supposed to be or a father's supposed to do. Sure. Well, and I, and I think that's a, another particular challenge to so many men today is how do we tap into the fatherhood of God, learn from it, whether we saw it in our own father or, or, or if we were lacking that, that uh, example, um, and take that as an example and, and run with it and live that lifestyle, the, the life-giving choice of being a father, of going <clears throat> outside of oneself and loving so as to be concerned for the needs of the other. Yeah. When I've, I've heard love described as or, or uh, defined as when the needs of the other outweigh the needs of the self, right? Absolutely. At, at its center, love is a choice. Yes, and is. if it's not a choice, then it's not real love. No, right? right. Yeah, love has to be free. It has to be free, right? What are the what are the free, four? faithful, total? Free, faithful, fruitful, fruitful and total, yeah. and full, full or fully, total, right? Yeah, fully. Those are the, the there's your there's the your four Fs. The, the four Fs of the faith. <laughs> uh, when you when you love God, you must love God and your spouse freely, without restriction must love them faithfully without condition must love them fully without withholding any of that love right yeah. and that love must be fruitful and a lot of times when you take one of those little pieces of it out you you have you have a, a counterfeit of the love right right uh, which the world needs less counterfeits of love which is why I think Jesus holds himself up as a model here. The good shepherd is the shepherd who loves, truly, mm-hmm. profoundly. Um, there's no counterfeit in him. Um, and then he talks about the fact that the reason why he's a good shepherd 
is because, he, I mean, we hear this time and time again in the Gospels. I, I was sent by the Father, and everything that I do is because of the Father's will, right? Mm-hmm. And then he says here, this is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. His example is the love that is so pure that is anything but false that it lays itself down and sacrifices itself for the good of the other. And that's, that's what we're celebrating in this Easter season. Yeah. We continue to celebrate the fullness of, of Jesus's gift of total self-donation. Yeah. And, and, and without that donation, we would not have hope when Jesus is, is eating the Passover and the last supper, right? Just think back on this for a minute. We just go back. I know we're talking, we're talking a couple weeks ago, but just go back. Jesus is eating the Passover supper and there are four cups that are drank during the Passover supper. And the fourth cup, is not drink. He does, yeah, he didn't drink it. He does not drink it. And he says, let us go out to pray, right? And so he takes them to the Mount of Olives. And he says, pray with me. They've all had three cups of wine, right? Mm-hmm. This point. But the fourth cup, fourth drink, it doesn't. it doesn't happen there. But think about it now when he's on the cross. And this is uh, Scott Hahn. Yeah, Scott Hahn. Right. Scott Hahn is the one that kind of brings this teaching out and kind of fleshes it out. But Scott Hahn says that fourth cup was when he is given the bitter gall, right? Yeah. On the On the sponge that was soaked in it. Yep, the hyssop on the reed. On the reed, <clears throat> yeah. and it's brought up to his, and he drinks from it. And you know what he says? He says, it is finished, which is the words of Passover, right? It is finished. It is finished, yeah. The fourth cup is is, is drank from. I think that can be a real mystery uh, when we when we read that. And we yeah. go, huh, well, what's finished? Well, it must be Jesus. Jesus' life is finished. He's about to die. But it's it's the sacrifice. It's yeah. the sacrifice of love, of the, of the Paschal feast that is yeah. finished. Yeah. The um, lamb, you know, why would he continue with this example of I am the lamb, right? Mm-hmm. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Why, why would he continue with this, this shepherd analogy? Because we don't get it right. Because he has to repeat the same analogy <laughs> so many times before it would sink into right. us. The, as, these as, dumb sheep need to be keep told, yeah, told yeah, about the sheep yeah. over and over it again. It turns out it takes me <laughs> roughly seven times to hear something before it actually sinks through the thick skull that I have. <laughs> right. And, and regardless of the actual thickness of the skull, I, maybe I just need to clean my ears more because it takes me so long to just digest <laughs> and actually in, in innately understand the wisdom of the Gospels. And so it's important to note when he says it is finished, he's talking about the Passover, right? He's talking about himself as the sacrificial lamb that would end all sacrifices, right? Mm-hmm. That no longer do you need to fear death because... Christ, through his blood, through his resurrection, has become the final sacrifice. And you are washed clean. Your sin that you and I are both prone to. Right. Right? right. I mean, we're, we're, we, could, we could teach a doctorate-level course on how to sin, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm really darn good at it. Well, and, it. and our gospel message today, too, tells us that he did that 
of his own accord. You know, he, he willingly laid down his life for us. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to this same theme. Why did he do it? He did it because he loved us. Yeah. Um, and I just can't say that enough. And, and again, I know there's people out there that want to talk about, I don't know, I guess, uh, the toughness, how, how we need to be tough and we need to follow Christ. And that is all true. But I think the only way that we can follow Christ and have a real resolve for following Christ is if we are given the hope of, of the gospel message that God died for us because he loved us. Mm-hmm. I think until we're convinced of that, I think we're, we're going to just continue to beat ourselves up to try to live the gospel message. We're going to continue to feel the shame of sin rather than the grace of God's love that strengthens us against sin. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a real difficulty for men in our culture. Today. Well, and, and you're talking about so many of our fathers were, were workaholics or not present mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Just they would, they would get home. I remember my, my dad ran his own business and I, I can think, oh, it, it just specifically, he had a routine. He would get home, right? He may wrestle with us just for a minute, mm-hmm. you know, because we'd 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 run in. I I mean, I, even up to high Daddy. school, there were still times where I would just I'd I'd go over and I'd hug my dad when he'd get home because he traveled a lot. He owned his own business, and in order to be successful in your own business, you have to make sacrifices. Yeah. Sometimes those sacrifices are you're gone a couple week nights, right? Because you just you you're you're out to provide. Right. But. On more than one occasion, my dad would get home and he would just collapse. He would take a nap, right? Just to be like, I, I need to, I'm tired. I, I've been, I've been running and gunning for this family, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'd ask him a hard question about something that was going on in my life and I, I, I'd, I'd get an unsatisfactory answer, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that my dad was a bad dad for being that. My dad was a human father, right? Sure. So it's good to have the fact that we have two fathers, we have our heavenly father that is a font of all wisdom. And then we have our earthly father who is human and flawed. And I'm looking at you and me, we're both fathers, right? Yeah. And yeah. It, it is, it is a, it is a, a cross of joy that we carry, right? That it's a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice your own will so that the will of your children can thrive and they can, they can grow into fine adults. Those who, of us who are fathers, yes, we, we need to take that vocation seriously. We need to work hard at it. But I think we also need to cut ourselves uh, you know, a little bit of slack from time to time. Um, we're, we're not going to be the Heavenly Father. We're not going to be the perfect father. We're going to no. make mistakes. No. And, um, we're not and, called and to be the okay. Heavenly Father. We're called to be the best of what we can be. Right. Not the right. best of what he can be. Yeah. And I think and I think the point I'm making is that even in my own father, you know, uh, while he wasn't perfect, he was a good loving father. And yet even in his weaknesses, even in his mistakes, I learned a lot. Yeah. You know, never underestimate God's ability to use us even in our weaknesses. Yeah. Well, I think I think we need to kind of look at this and just say you know, as, as we're, as we're reflecting on the good shepherd and we're reflecting on this reading, you know, are we acting in our lives as the hired man who takes no ownership of the flock that he has been instructed or quote unquote paid 
to watch. Mm -hmm. Are we this hired man? Or are we acting really accepting of the crosses that we've been given and making them our own? Right. Am I, am I acting in a, uh, a good way in all the capacities that I, that I function for, mm -hmm. right? Am I, am I giving my all to the things that I'm a part of, the things that I voluntarily select, self-selected into? Or have I said a bunch of yeses that were truly empty? Maybe because I'm not getting accolades or, or something out of it, but I said yes to it, I'm, I'm giving less now, right? Because I don't see value in either the accolades I get from it or I don't see value in it because I, there, there's not enough in it for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think the challenge that I, I would like to throw out and, and you add something to this if there's, if I'm missing something, but maybe let's evaluate just for the next week, the places where we are, the shepherd, the good shepherd, right? Whether that be with our kids and our wife, that be with our job that be with our parish or that be just out there. We could be a single guy that maybe has not a lot of commitments at this point, but is longing to have some sort of real responsibility in the world or a real contribution to something bigger than themselves. Yeah. Am I acting in a capacity with the relationships that I have right now as a good shepherd or as a hired man who at this first sign of a wolf, will run because I think it's easy for us to <clears throat> to forget that the definition of love is to care about and to be concerned about the welfare of the other the the needs of the other um, and like we said uh, early on in the podcast you know love is a choice love is a choice and so if we've made choices about love and we're not fulfilling them it's certainly worth looking at and asking ourselves the tough question well where have I committed myself to love but not really chosen it daily wholeheartedly now you took everything that i said and you just summarized it beautifully <laughs> <laughs> well that's good you know i uh i'm sitting here and i'm just i want to i want to send out a, a a well wish to all of you that are in a place right now where you are wondering what contribution you are making to the people in your life, because I have been there. I've been at that place where you are just wondering, am I, am I bringing anything to the table? You know, is, is there, is there beauty and, and fruitfulness from my interaction in these roles? And let me tell you, there is, but there is only when you start to care. And so it's important as Christian men, right, that are pursuing heaven, pursuing something greater than ourselves. Unlike, unlike the pagans, right? Unlike those that are just seeking some sort of heaven here on earth, we are seeking an eternal glory and a bliss that we do not understand fully. So how can we hope to understand something that we don't understand fully unless we start putting ourselves outside that comfort zone, out in the world, and loving because to love as a choice is to take a risk. And Christ loved us with a complete level of risk, so much so that he gave his own life. Completely vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think, too, that if we, <clears throat> if we make ourselves vulnerable and we love on that level, we, we get back to 
<clears throat> our original saying from Irenaeus, we become fully alive. Yeah. And by becoming fully alive because we're loving the way that we ought to, we will glorify God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we have covered a bit of everything. <laughs> Haven't we? And we, I don't know if we've left the pasture, but the good shepherd and the sheep are still here. You and I are the sheep and, you know, this, this beautiful reading here. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead and they will hear my voice. That's the vast majority of the people listening to this podcast right now. And Christ is claiming you as a part of his flock. That's right. And there will be one flock. One shepherd. Amen. Amen. Do you want to take us out in prayer? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Here we go. Let's pray it up in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, your example as a good shepherd. You you choose us each and every day, even, even though some days we don't always choose you. And so we are grateful and we ask you to help us to grow in our gratitude and our love for you, that we may serve you fully, that we may glorify you becoming, by becoming more fully alive through our choices of love, by living up to uh, the dedications and commitments of love that we've already made, and by uh, truly becoming men of honor uh, who, who choose wisely on how to love and how to spend our lives and how to give through sacrificial love. Lord Jesus, you are our ultimate example. And so we ask you to lead us and to guide us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Four Man Fully Alive podcast. I'm Mike with a Mike. And this is Deacon Nick. Signing off. Wishing you guys peace. <laughs> Easter is not ended. <laughs> right. Keep celebrating. Have a great week.